0: Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to the show or welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in today. You could have chosen any other podcast, but you chose Become Your Vision to listen to, and I appreciate that so much. Today is a fun conversation because I'm talking with my friend Lauren. Her name is also Lauren. She is from the Midwest, the Chicagoland area. I am as well. And what I love about Lauren is she's real and I like how she just educates in a way that we can understand So I became interested in real estate about a year and a half ago. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it completely changed my perspective on wealth. And it just piqued my interest. So today's episode, I want this to be one for you. Maybe real estate has not even been in your thought process. Maybe you have been interested a little bit. Whatever the case may be, I want you to learn a little bit something and realize that real estate isn't as intimidating as it might seem and Lauren Teaches like I said, in a way that we can understand. So let me give you a little background on who Lauren is. She is a seasoned entrepreneur, realtor, and real estate investor. Lauren brings a unique perspective to her client experience from owning a coffee shop and wedding planning company to working in luxury wedding gown sales and running boutique digital marketing company. Lauren leans on her vast and unique unique experiences as an entrepreneur to create a specialized hands-on experience for her real estate clients with a genuine passion for helping people. She is dedicated to working with her clients to achieve their goals and create lifelong wealth through real estate. Lauren, along with her husband and three kids moved to Charleston from the Chicago area and they could not love Charleston more. I can agree. I love Charleston. It is the best place for real. So Lauren also loves all things fitness and wellness and is a passionate about helping young women get it started in business and investing. With any remaining free time, Lauren loves to travel, surf and enjoy everything that life in Charleston has to offer. Today we talk about three types of real estate investing. We talk about Airbnbs, we talk about long-term rentals, we talk about flips. We talk about the pros and cons of each, any hiccups along the way that Lauren has faced. I feel like it's just one you can relate to, and it might pique your interest. You guys, I think you're going to love this episode. If you do, please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, share this with somebody on social media. That's how our podcast, my podcast, continues to grow and that's also how we support our guests on the show because we can let other people know to listen and that we received from something from this episode. All right you guys, enjoy. All right, hey guys, you heard that intro i have my girl crush here, my the other Lauren, the blonde to my brunette. Thanks for tuning in today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay. Okay. So today, Lauren has helped me on uh, my journey to real estate investing. She has just kind of been like my, I don't know, uh, just a friend that I can call up whenever I have questions Real estate investing has been an interest of mine rather like in in, like rather uh, what's the word I'm looking for recently and like year and a half year or so I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad and it kind of just changed my whole perspective on just wealth and I thought it would be great to have Lauren here today to talk to us about the three types of investing that I think is great for beginners so that's airbnbs flips long-term rentals now there are more types of investing in real estate like you have multi-family homes you have syndicated apartments commercial etc but for today i want to keep it very basic especially for the beginner like myself where i feel like it's much easier to tap into those types of markets, Airbnbs, flips, long-term rentals. And then once you have experience at that, maybe tap into something a little bit larger. So Lauren, why don't we start with, I know a lot of people are scared right now with the market, where it's going. We hear a lot of information on the news, what's true, what's false. Can you give us some advice of where you think the real estate market is going?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, what is important to remember is if you look at the history of real estate, it is really one of the safest places that you can put your money if you are able to hold that investment, you know, for a good bit of time. So, you know, if you're, we'll get into this with flipping and stuff like that, but, um, real estate is just a safe place even with your primary residence you know if you make a smart buying decision today that should pay dividends in 5 10 15 20 years now it does vary you know market by market state by state but um i think in the long run really no matter where you are it's just a good investment um i personally would much rather put my money in
0: Real estate than in the stock market. (laughs) Mm. That's the other thing I was going to say too is I feel like the stock market. Is so hard to understand. And initially, like real estate investing, if you've never, you know, educated yourself on it, it can be a little bit daunting. But if you take time to just like read one book at a time, listen to different podcasts, I feel like it's much more, I don't know, easier to understand. Now, I think a lot of people are scared too because of what happened back in 2008. But do you have any words Mm -hmm. of advice or reassurance of why that is? very unlikely to happen again
1: the biggest reason is just you know as everybody knows we there were major issues with mortgages um basically unqualified people were able to get mortgages during that time frame um, and that really blew up the system so that is not what we see today. Um, there's always going to be an ebb and flow to the economy you know it, it's always going to go up and down if you're willing and able to ride that wave, you will come out on top every single time. Um, a lot of people I know that have built major wealth in real estate—they bought properties or rode the wave of '08 and '09. You know, something that was worth, let's say, two twenty in two thousand eight, here in our Charleston market. You know, is worth over a million dollars today. So. As long as you aren't putting yourself in a position where you're totally maxing, you know, your monthly budget or taking out loans that you shouldn't, you know, as long as you're comfortable, you will come out on top with real estate. And I think, you know, we people thought that we were going to see more of a dip than we really did. I mean, here in Charleston, not only did it not dip, it's just continued to explode. Um, We're back to multiple offers here in the Charleston area. I mean, this is mid-February. Every offer I wrote last week was a multiple offer situation. Um, so I think that just shows that people are confident in what is coming and you know they're willing to put their dollars into real estate, which is good for everybody. It's good mm-hmm. for the economy, it's good for buyers, and it's good for sellers.
0: Mm. What's that saying, uh, the best time to invest was yesterday or something exactly. along those lines? <laughs> yeah. So it's I think, so true. Yeah, I, I forget the rest of that part. Um, or the the best time to invest was yesterday. Just as good as today. The second or best like time is today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, what was that again? Yeah. Uh, can you kind of give some reassurance too before we dive in into? A lot of people might be scared with the interest rates right now and um, just unsure if they can afford a an investment.
1: Yes. So interest rates are funny, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. So when we bought, my husband and I bought our first home, I want to say that rates were, you know, around eight and a quarter, eight and a half. I mean, the rates we saw during COVID, they are not going to happen again in our lifetime. Most likely that was, you know, a I guess a side effect of COVID and, and yes, it was great if you were able to pick up property at that time. Um, but there shouldn't be the expectation that that's going to come again. And at the end of the day, with real estate, I've always been taught by mentors of mine that taxes and interest rates should not dictate whether you make the decision or not. So the reason being, if you pick up a property, I'll use an, you know my example. I bought a condo, uh, let's see about eight months ago now um. I could sell it today for probably thirty dollars to $40,000 more than I paid for it.
0: Hmm.
1: My interest hmm. rate is terrible. I want to say it's seven and a half maybe. Um, but I will be able to sell that property in a few years and have a really good profit to either roll into a bigger property or you know to cash out and maybe invest in something else. So you just really can't look at that. Look at the monthly payment. If it is something you can afford, or it is close to what you think you can get a tenant to pay, pull the trigger. You know, action is the greatest teacher. I think it's, it's always going to feel scary sitting on the sidelines and wondering what if. But if you just dive in, I think most people are pleasantly surprised by really how simple and relatively easy investing in real estate is. It is scary. That is the hurdle. It's mm-hmm. not that it's hard. it's not that it takes brain power really um it's just making that leap. but yeah, I mean, real estate in most, I think most areas it's a long-term play, you know, and so at the end of the day then interest rate doesn't
0: really matter and at, at, to another point of what you're saying too is can't you refinance like down the line when the interest rates are better? Yes. It's the,
1: the phrase that every realtor was sharing on social media, which um, I didn't just because of that, but uh, (laughs) what was it? Date the rate, marry the house or something like that. Um, Yes, absolutely. Refinancing is on the table. Um, You know, even already interest rates have dropped a bit this year and kind of the general expectation I would say overall is that they will steadily decline a little bit the entire year. It's an election year, so there's you know things that are up in the air, of course, but um, still at the end of the day, I would rather buy the house now mm-hmm. than in August, mm-hmm. even if rates are half a percent lower. I guarantee you prices again, at least in Charleston, will be ten to a hundred thousand dollars higher, depending on what price range you're in.
0: Wow, yes, much better than your typical 401k. That's one of the reasons why. I want to Absolutely. invest and in, just been putting money aside. I mean, I don't know if the listener listener knows I've mentioned it a few times here, but being patient on my first investment. Um, it has been challenging to get one. I've made multiple offers, but have been outbid. But we'll talk about that more in a little while. Let's get into the first type of investment, and that is Airbnbs. I feel like a lot of people are interested into this one um, in this one. So what can you share your experience with the condo you have on Edisto mm-hmm. it's would you consider it a beach property? Or,
1: I would. I think it sounds okay. better. It's not yeah. on the beach, but it is walkable to the beach um so yes, I the beach condo um, yes and I just have to go back and say I just need your listeners to know that you did not lose full offers with me is also looking in another market um, Yes, that yes. is different there so i think that's a good it, point just, i just have to you know <laughs> yes i have to say that yes, but it, yes it was i would more. consider <laughs> <laughs> i would consider our condo a beach condo i mean it's it's on edisto beach you know people are traveling there mostly for tourism um so yeah it's a beach condo and, um i think airbnb is a very fun way to get into real estate investing, because, you know, we now have this asset that we can use as a family, um, which is a lot of fun. But, you know, it also was a smaller place um, that was not as scary for me to kind of jump into that Airbnb game. This is my first Airbnb. I've invested in real estate in different ways, but had not done that short term rental type of property yet. So we wanted something that was close enough to our home that, you know, we could easily check on and manage. um, But also far enough away that, you know, it felt like a little bit of a vacation for us if we were to use the property.
0: Totally. Can you talk about what the initial investment looks looked like?
1: Yes. So, you know, being in the real estate world, um, I, I am able to set aside a lot of cash because we are 1099. Um, So I tried to put as much down as possible. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I put down around 30 to 35%, um, which that is a lot of cash for a lot of people, but you don't have to do that. I mean, I just had it, I wanted to use it. I wanted to get that rate down as low as possible. Um, There are some rules that come into play when you are purchasing investment property with some types of loans, the property has to be a certain distance away from your primary residence. Um, you have to put down a certain amount in order to qualify for a lower rate. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of rules, but I, I don't want to get hung up on that is really, again, what to me matters is that monthly payment and what you think you can generate in rent. Um, the nice thing about the internet <laughs> is that mm-hmm. you can do so much research look on airbnb look on vrbo um or verbo i always forget what it is actually called i do too <laughs> you know see what places comparable to the type of property you're interested in rent for um you can get really really close numbers um so i was confident that you know after a full year we would be making a little bit of money we bought it um in the summer but the seller actually rented back from us for a few months which was great because that paid the mortgage the 3 months he was there but then we entered the airbnb game in the fall which is terrible um but i i planned to lose money i knew i would it doesn't scare me it's a great learning process you know i'm charging less than i probably should just to kind of get my foot in the door and learn what my guests want to see, what they want to have in the house. Um, so we've been on Airbnb, Airbnb, excuse me, and BRBO now for a few months. And I mean, we're very close to breaking even already. And that's just a few months into the game. So, you know, I think doing that research ahead of time, knowing the market you want to be in, knowing your price point, I'll be totally honest. I probably could not have afforded or it w- would not have been the wisest decision to get beach condo in Charleston. I mean, the prices are triple what they are mm. on Edisto Beach. So, you know, it, it was a good, I don't want to say safe because there's always risk, but safer mm. way to kind of enter the Airbnb game.
0: Mm. Can you talk about why you chose an Airbnb versus a long-term rental?
1: Yes. Um, primarily the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just, you know, vacation properties, they just tend to generate more income than a long-term rental property would if you're talking about buying it today. The hard thing about long-term rentals and and short-term rentals, honestly, especially in our Charleston market is our prices are so high, um, you know, compared to rent, it's really, really difficult to find something that will cash flow. So, you know, I have clients all the time or friends, family, you know, we want to want to invest in real estate, but they have this expectation that they will be, you know, rolling in thousands of dollars every month. That is just not going to be the case. Now, someone who owned, you know, a house in Mount Pleasant, you know, they bought it in 89, let's say, yes, they are rolling in thousands of dollars a month because they paid $200,000 for a home that rents for, you know, six or $7,000 a month today. So entering that rental game now, it is harder, but I knew that airbnb being something or short-term renting something would be the fastest way to see some cash flow while also being patient and letting the equity build in that property. Um, I don't think long-term rentals are a poor idea at all. I, I'm, I always am looking for one. It is just harder to find something that comes even close to cash flowing.
0: Mm and i just want to share too if the listeners like what what does cash flowing mean i i think it's pretty obvious but if you're unaware maybe you're you're new and you're like what what does that mean it's what you net after all your expenses are paid for for the month can you talk about the i guess pitfalls of getting an airbnb maybe did you have any experience with um anybody any renters kind of doing anything to your property where you've had to fix or some of the barriers that you may have kind of come up against? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up
1: because that is another thing. I mean, you have to have thick skin in any business. I mean, any investment that you just have to mentally prepare for things to come up because they will. Um, I was out of town last weekend and I got (laughs) A message from our guest who was staying at our condo. And she's like, I think your water heater just blew. Mm. Like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, but you know, in the moment, was it stressful? Yes. But you know, I had my contacts in place. We got a handyman out there replaced it. She still gave us a five star review. Um, so I think, you know, any situation that comes up is always how you handle it and how you treat your guest. I think the best advice I've been given as far as short-term rentals is truly treating your guests like they are staying in a hotel you are the concierge you're the front desk manager you know giving them that as close to a luxurious experience as you can um so yes i mean it depends on the age of the property you're buying this you know anything on the beach is going to be old for the most part unless you have five or six million dollars to spend so be prepared for a pipe blow be prepared for you know ac to go out in the summer i mean th- that will happen just because it's life first of all it's home ownership um but as far as other pitfalls i mean we've been lucky with guests so far we've you know i think only had about 15 groups of people stay with us so that's not enough to really gauge i guess i i'm i'm expecting at some point there will be you know drunk people that do something or you know, I do allow pets on a case-to-case basis, maybe a dog that chews a pillow, but you know, nothing in there is anything that I can't replace. And I will learn something from each experience as it comes up and be better prepared, you know, to serve our guests in the future. So I'm trying to think of any other pitfalls we've had. Um I think it's important, I guess, just back to your dollars and knowing what you can comfortably afford, you should have that cushion, you know, have a couple thousand at the very least set aside that you can use for a repair or, you know, be prepared to refund a guest if something comes up
0: um, and not be counting on every single penny, especially that first year. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Now, how much did you initially spend on, I think some people just um, mull over this, but on furniture, because you have to completely furnish the entire place. How large is your condo? And do you remember how much you spent on furnishing it?
1: Yes, um, it is a sprawling 800 square feet. Lauren.
0: <laughs> it is perfect <laughs> for just like a little weekend stay or, you know, of a small group. I love it.
1: Yes, it is. I mean, it's adorable. I've been shocked at how many families we've had stay in it I mean it it can sleep four or five so it's but it is tiny which again that was something I looked for I didn't want to go into a five bedroom house and having to furnish that I mean that's lots of money so the bonus of this property too another reason I purchased it is because it came fully furnished
0: Um, oh I didn't know that
1: yes now I will say I probably got rid of oh, I don't know, 40% of the stuff in there just because it was not good, um, you know. Outdated. Not tasteful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, everything in that condo has come from Amazon. I found, again, thank you, internet, so many amazing websites linked, you know, every single thing you could possibly think of to have in your Airbnb. These are the best sheets. These are the best um, duvets. These are the best spoons. I just added it all to cart and purchased. Um, and again, keep in mind, I did not need a, a true full house. Um, I didn't need beds. I didn't need couches, some of that big stuff that does add up. I didn't need a kitchen table, but I want to say I spent, I think it was around $4,000, um, which really is pennies in the grand scheme of you know purchasing a beach rental Um, and that covered new TVs for every bedroom, which it really is key in a rental, especially an Airbnb short-term rental type of property. Again, just kind of comparing it to a hotel room. What are people expecting when they're coming for a vacation? Think about yourself. You know, when you show up to your place that you've rented, what do you want to be there? So that's how we kind of approached it. Um, you know, really nice shampoo and conditioner in the shower, refill of toilet paper and cured cups. And I mean, just all those things that kind of added up new bedding on every bed. Um, We spent a good bit on decor and, you know, we did, we'll get into this, I guess too, but we repainted, we had to do some work in there before it was rentable. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we spent about $4,000 on furnishings, glassware, bowls, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: That's not terrible. And that's something you can write off too. So exactly.
1: Especially as a real estate professional, I mean, there are a ton of tax breaks for even someone who, you know, I don't know, what would you say, layman or just <laughs> yeah. the, the average person that invests in real estate? Um, I mean, the the government really does want us to buy real estate and invest in real estate. It, it helps the economy. So there are a lot of incentives um, for everyone to buy rental properties or investment properties, but, but especially yes, as a real estate professional, I need the write-offs. So, you know, why not make it cute and what people will be excited about.
0: Totally. A place where you want to stay as well on the off, off time. You don't have somebody in there. Let's go yes. ahead and talk about the next one, which are flips. This is a, an area that I am hopeful and just excited about tapping into what have you ever, you have, haven't you flipped a property before? Like a personal one. I know you've helped other people flip, but have you yourself flipped a property? I couldn't remember. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's perfect. So let's talk about that. What, um, why you chose that route initially before your Airbnb?
1: I think at the end of the day, I'm just always looking for ways I can make some money. Um, I don't really care what it is, what type of real estate it is, but if I think there's income opportunity, uh, I don't want to say a no-brainer because, again, our, our Charleston market makes it tough for real estate deals to be no-brainers, but if they make sense or enough sense, I have no problem taking the leap. So that one just kind of fell into my lap, the flip. Um, the numbers looked decent enough that I was willing to do it. Um, it was a smaller property. Again, I think it was about a 1300 square foot townhome. Um, so it it just was an easy, relatively low risk. Um, I knew I for sure wouldn't lose money. Mm. So whenever I see something like that, I'm willing to, you know, take the risk and try to make a little bit of money. Um, so yeah, it just fell into my lap. It was a good price point. Um, it was a good time of year. I think I bought it a couple, let's see, two Decembers ago. Um, so, you know, there was not a lot of people out looking at that time, a lot of wholesale deals, a lot of those lower price properties that need a ton of work. They do typically sell in multiple
0: offers. So, that's my issue. I just want to let people know that's my issue. Um, up North, upstate South Carolina. That's what I've been running into is just being outbid or the numbers just don't work. The amount of money it's going to take to renovate the property versus what I'm going to get once I sell it, it it's, you know, it wasn't there. So I'm still looking, but that's to your point, that's one of the, um, issues I'm running into is like complete, cash buyers and, uh, you know, it's hard to compete with cash buyers.
1: It is. And I'm glad you said that because, um, like we said, most of those properties do sell in multiple offers. I did not have the cash to buy that property outright. Um, so I used a hard money loan. So I wrote my offer as cash. Um, I had that financing in place with, a hard money lender so that allows you to purchase the property with cash it's not your cash but it's someone else's cash you pay them a fee sometimes they have a monthly percentage it just depends but typically with the way those um types of loans work is you pay that hard money lender back once the property is renovated and you sell it so that's what i did it took me about um Gosh, I don't even remember. A couple months to get the property ready. I want to say, I don't know, between four and six months. And at the time of getting it fully renovated and selling it, you know, at closing, that's when a part of my proceeds went back to that hard money lender plus their fee and paid them back. So that's the only part of the process, I guess, that was a bit risky or that could be a bit risky. You know, if you don't get the money you think you're going to get when you sell. Or let's say your renovations, you went way over budget, or there was some horrible unexpected issue. You know, you just have to remember that lender has to be paid at closing. Um, That's number one. Anything left is for
0: you. Mm, Yeah. Do you remember what your initial investment was with that one? Yes. Um, So just for
1: context, (laughs) I think the townhome total was one hundred thirty-five thousand. So cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, I believe that I put 30,000 down, um, which in hindsight I should not have done. That was way too much. I'm not sure why I did that. Um, typically the, the way I've been taught and mentored is put as low down as possible in a, in a flip. Um, why is that? keep your cash, keep your cash for repairs and just kind of keep your cash as, as a general rule of thumb, you're not holding this property. You know, we know that we're, we're renovating it to sell it in a few months. Um, so it didn't, it would not have changed my fee that I owed the hard money lender by much at all. And it would have just kept, Cushion for me. I mean, again, in real estate, especially when you start owning a few properties, you never know when something is coming up. I'm lucky that nothing happened and I didn't need thirty grand. Um, But in hindsight, yes, I should have put maybe ten thousand down and just kept
0: my cash, you know, in case I needed it. So, is there a minimum that you can put down, like a certain percentage? I thought there was twenty percent. Is that not right?
1: That applies to more of like a conventional loan. Okay, Um, if you're buying the house for
0: yourself to live in or whatever.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, you can use a, I purchased our uh, Edisto beach condo with a conventional loan.
0: Okay.
1: Um, th- there was a minimum there that we had to meet uh, since it was a, an investment property and not a primary residence. Um, but in this case, the type of loan, it, it, you know, t- to any party, a part of that process, it was a cash deal.
0: Mm, okay. So
1: it was between the lend, the cash lender and I, as what I put down, you know, and they don't care as long as they get their money back.
0: Mm, okay. Um,
1: there's, of course, a minimum. I mean, I, I don't know many hard money lenders that will give you 100% financing. You know what I mean? Um, because that shows you have no cash, which is risky for them. Yeah, that's not between, you know, the buyer. Or so. That's between the hard money lender and the buyer.
0: Okay. Interesting. See, you, you guys, I'm still learning as we're going. I'm just, I'm being blown away with the information that, you know, you're teaching me that I, I can't believe I forgot or was unaware of. Can you talk about any, well, first of all, too, I want to mention, you didn't renovate this property. You hired a contractor, right?
1: I have a hard time screwing a light bulb in. So yes, <laughs> I, I did. I did the landscaping myself and I ended up with severe poison Ivy for like two weeks and it ruined a girl's trip to Nashville. So, Another lesson learned <laughs> um, a, a mentor to me said, if time is money, think about how much time you spent doing the landscaping and then being housebound with poison Ivy and not being able to, you know, see clients and stuff. And I was like, that's a really good lesson. So that's why I love real estate. You learn something on every single deal. I learned something every day. Um, so going back to, you know, what you were just saying, don't feel bad that you didn't know that. I mean, that every deal is different. Every situation is different. There's so many more loan programs than people realize there's so many different ways to buy a house. So that's what keeps it fun and interesting, but no, I did none of the work, um, aside from, you know, digging up some weeds and getting poison ivy. I, I had a contractor. I have a great relationship with a few contractors in town. Um, You know, th- there was one who was available. I knew his prices would work. Um, And we had done a few things together in the past. So yeah, it was all, all contractor. So would you do a flip again if the house was right? All day long. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I'm always looking and is really, really tough to find. To find. Yeah. So if there's any wholesalers living,
0: call me. <laughs> and that's another point I forgot to mention too. That's part of the problem I'm running into is just the inventory is very, very low right now. People are seem to be holding the property. Um, I'm in contact with a wholesaler and uh you know, people aren't responding to him. Like the owners aren't responding back. You know, he's putting in offers and just getting, you know, no responses. So that's some of the issues I'm seeing as well. I don't know if, um, that's fair to say across the board or what you've seen, but yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. Inventory, Inventory is just tough across the board, whether you are looking for an investment property or a primary residence. But I think it's the tough pill to swallow of what prices are at, um, which is what makes investing in real estate tricky because it's, it's purely a numbers game. I mean, there, there should be no emotions involved in purchasing investment property, but it's tough to make the numbers work. And you're right. I mean, when you're trying to enter that game, with what prices are now, it's tough because I've been telling some of my investor clients, you really need at least 450, you know, now Mm. to kind of, and there's exceptions to the rule for sure, but that's a good number where you can, you know, find something that is a gut job, but the numbers will work for you to maybe sell it for 800. Mm. It's it's just, tough. Mm. it's tough to get in in the under $200,000 price range.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's totally what I'm facing as well. 2024 is here, and maybe you're feeling a little ugh after the holidays. Maybe you're like, flow, going to the bathroom hasn't been that great. Are you consuming enough fiber? Fiber makes your gut feel so much better because it helps you go to the bathroom. And maybe you're going to the bathroom, but fiber helps you stay Full. you guys if you don't know this I'm the creator of muesli cereal I have two different types I've created a gut healthy blend and I've also created a high protein blend chocolate protein crunch they are so delicious all you have to do is add your favorite milk eat a mass cereal you can warm it up and eat it as oatmeal or put it in your fridge and have it as overnight oats you can add it to your yogurt you can make little protein balls i've created a product that is super easy and obviously unbiased but it tastes delicious and i've heard others tell me too it is so freaking good so to get your muesli like mousse comes from the word muesli that i've mispronounced for so long so i created my own brand on how i pronounce Moosley, which is Moosley. All you have to do is go to com to get yours. Love you, mean it. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about long-term rentals. What's your opinion on this? Um, have you had any experience with this? What does our initial investment look like? Let's get right into this one.
1: Yeah, so long-term rentals are another great option. I do not have any, and I have not actually had any, only because for what our market is right now, flipping property and short-term rentals has just been more of the play that made sense for me. Again, I'm always looking for an opportunity. So if I saw one where the numbers, like I said, we're never going to find anything that cash flows on a long-term rental. But if I found something that came close to even breaking even, I would consider pulling the trigger on it. Um, I think that's the most important thing to remember about a long-term rental in our market here in Charleston. Um, The prices are high. So it is just really tough to find something that you can get, you know, rent for that covers your mortgage payment and any other expenses, you know, whether that's property manager, home maintenance, um, or some of those other things that come up when you are a landlord. So it is a good option. I, I feel like the people that are most successful in this right now are people that have owned these properties for several or many years or they're in different markets. I mean, I've got a few friends that own rental properties in Ohio and they do really well and they are still buying them up, but that's just not our market here. So it's definitely an option. And especially if you're willing to sit with that real estate for you know maybe five to 10 years and just be okay losing a little money your first two years breaking even maybe years three and four starting to make a little bit of money as rents go up and you know, your mortgage is not going to change. You will start to then maybe see some of that cash flow, but the big money then comes when you sell that property someday. So -hmm. that's how I think you have to look at long-term rentals or short-term rentals, to be totally honest. You know, it's not like we're rolling in cash. Um, on a short-term rental, but you hang on to that a few years, five, 10 years, sell that property, you know, here in our Charleston market, we would expect that that's worth. You know, depending on how long you hold on to it, in some cases, double, triple, or quadruple what you pay. That's when you see the big money.
0: Yeah. I want to reiterate, reiterate what you just said. And that's some people might be listening, like, well, why the hell would you buy a property? If it's not going to cash flow? you're not going to make any money on it. To go back to your point, you said, well, if you hold on to the property for five or 10 years, you have the potential to make a good chunk of money. Now, the downfall with that, I am seeing, is if you are depending on the cash flow to build up another nest egg, essentially, for your next property, that might not be the best way to do it, correct? Exactly right. Yes. You hit the nail on the head. If, if that,
1: if you are reliant on your investment property to create the cash for your next investment, is it a bad option? No. Is it a slower option? Yes. I mean, so I think you should look at two different things. You know, is there a lower price point you can maybe find something at that's not as exciting of a buy, but, you know, maybe would give you a couple hundred dollars in your pocket every month. And, you know, you can get that built up a little bit quicker than just breaking even on something or looking at a short-term rental for a few years and seeing if that can maybe help you build up that nest egg or, you know, what everybody loves is the flip where, you know, you can make 20 to a hundred thousand dollars in a few months. Um, obviously like we said those are harder to find everybody's mm-hmm. looking for those but yeah that's a great point i think long term rentals are a really good retirement plan um that is kind of what my plan is you know i i don't invest a ton in other places which maybe shame on me for that but i know that if i can pick up one property a year um you know i'm 35 oh i'm 36 shoot <laughs> um, but you know, I've got a ways to go until I retire. My hope is then, you know, in 30 years, that does look like a really healthy nest egg, whether mm. we can then sell off some of the properties or we've just got that net worth of whatever. I mean, so I think you're right though, it's coming up with that next down payment. What a lot of people do is um
0: take out a HELOC hmm Pull my line of credit. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Good job, Lawrence. <laughs> I'm um, learning.
1: <laughs> so, you know, again, we'll use my condo as an example. So it is worth already in just, you know, eight, nine months, I would say about thirty to forty thousand more than we paid for it. So what you can do is work with a lender who will send an appraiser out to reassess the value of the property. If they determine that, yes, it is in fact worth that much more than what you paid for it, they will give you a line of credit against the house. A lot of people then take that, $30,000 we will call it, and they'll buy their next property. They'll let that one appreciate for a year, take a HELOC out on that property. It's kind of this, you know, um, cycle that if you're smart and you do it well, it really does work. I mean, I, I know a lot of really, really successful people in real estate. That's how they started. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're smart with it, you know, then you can sell a property at the right time and, you know, use some of the cash to maybe close some of the HELOCs because you you don't want to have I mean, I personally wouldn't want to have 10 HELOC loans floating out there open. Um, I just think that gets a little bit risky. But if you're smart about it, it is a really great way to kind of get you get that momentum as a real estate investor.
0: That's a great point, too, is when I was figuring out how to finance this, that is always an option. You can always let's say you have a nest egg built up. You don't quite have enough. Maybe you have enough for the down payment, but you don't have quite enough maybe for the renovations. You can use the HELOC from the home that you're living in as a line of credit to pay for the renovations or anything else that that comes up. And then, essentially, once you sell that home, the flip, then you can just re you pay back your home equity line of credit. Um, and then, you know, kind of do this in a, in a cycle, if you will. So I'm happy you mentioned that. Why don't we go into what we should look for? And I'll kind of share my, number one, like my first point when I'm looking for a real estate agent that is going to help me with my investment. Now, if I was in the area, um, I would definitely hire Lauren. I I trust her. Um, I think it's important that you always follow your intuition. But when I'm looking for an agent that I'm going to put my trust in, it is very important for me to know that they have done this in the past, like they have their own investment properties of their own. Why that matters to me is I feel like they can look at it with a different set of eyes versus somebody that's completely green in that arena. Is that something, you know, fair to say, Lauren?
1: Uh, Yes and no, I do think that's important, but I would also say if you're trying to find a flip let's say and and you are at maybe a lower price point for the market i would say number 1 most important is finding an aggressive agent who is willing to connect with wholesalers on your behalf send out mailers knock on doors things like that because you know the hustle is what finds those properties Typically, and that's, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of times that is a more green agent um, who has the time to do that, mm. you know, but they're typically going to be backed up by a mentor who, I mean, I know when I was new, I ran everything by a more seasoned agent or a mentor to make sure, you know, my advising my client correctly in this? So I guess to me, that would be maybe more important, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I always tell my clients, I want you to like me as much after closing as you do before. It's easy to get the deal done and close the sale. But if it's not in your client's best interests, if they have not helped you think through the numbers and here's what taxes look like and here's potential implications, here's why this neighborhood might be you know, a deal breaker for some potential buyers and just think through the also the negative situations. Cause everybody can make it look shiny and positive and happy. Um, you know, I think realtors get a bad rep because they're all about the sale, mm. but really what any business is about is the relationship, you know, that the referrals and and doing a good job, an honest job and working hard for each client so that, you know, they use you again, they're happy with the outcome um, because it's, it's very easy to get to the closing table Relatively easy, I should say. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think if you can find someone that checks both of those boxes, absolutely. You know, who doesn't want to hear personal experience? This is what worked for me, this is what didn't. Um, but I don't think that would be a must, you know, when looking for
0: an agent to help you pick up investment property. Mm, coming from the realtor herself. I like that. Give me a different <laughs> viewpoint, but it's true. <laughs> so okay. The Next thing I was going to say here, how many offers does a typical home get?
1: That's a tough question to answer just because we'll look at our Charleston market, for example. Every single neighborhood is different. I mean, not only is every city different, but every neighborhood is different. Um, it It's, I guess if you're looking at, you know, maybe some general data Gosh, I would say probably one per property is what it breaks down to be, you know, the ones that, well, I guess a little bit more than that. I mean, they, they always say there's a buyer for every house. Um, typically, it's the houses that are a little bit underpriced and in a really sought after di- um, area that are going to see those multiple offers. That to me is the smartest way to price a property. Um, that's what I did. With the properties I've sold, I I price them just a hair low so that you get that traffic and you get the multiple offers that drive the price up way higher than you thought you could have gotten. Um, But, you know, it it just really depends on the area. Mm. Um, That's why it's so important to pull comps or to work with a realtor that knows, you know, the neighborhood really well that you're interested in or the area that you're interested in um, because, you know, just because someone's asking that price doesn't mean it's worth it um or you know they can point out the good deal that maybe hits the market if it seems like it is a bit underpriced but yeah i don't know if i i could answer that as
0: no that's okay
1: as, as overarching
0: no that's fine i i maybe there was a myth that i heard at least um every um property gets at least three offers a traditional conventional loan a cash and then a unique funding um, offer. But that could be, I don't know, from a podcast, maybe in a particular area. Um, but I didn't know if you heard anything about that before.
1: No, I mean, certainly not in a more residential area that I could see maybe applying in a really high traffic multiple offer situation. Um, okay. Well, my flip, for instance, you know, I had one cash offer or two cash offers, um, a couple FHA offers, most were conventional loan offers. Um, I didn't have any creative financing, but no. I mean, if every house got that, that'd be great because then you had three offers to choose from, which would make every offer, every house a multiple offer scenario. And that, that's just not reality.
0: Okay, good to know. Okay, I hate to do this, but we're coming up on an hour. So I think we have to kind of just finalize it right here. But where can people find you, shout out your Instagram, your websites, if they want to hire you, where is the best way to find you? Um,
1: First of all, I can't believe it's been an hour. That was so fun chatting with you. But I am on Instagram primarily Lauren E. Delamater. Um, Unfortunately, my last name is a little bit hard to spell, but it's very phonetic. Um, My website is laurendelamaterrealestate.com. And from there, you can find any other channels that I'm on. But yes, I mean, I would love to connect. I love everything about real estate. I love answering questions. So if you're in a different market, if you're a realtor in a different market, um, don't feel like you can't reach out and connect. I I love it. So would love to hear from
0: you guys. And you can invest in other states. So even if you're somewhere else, (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with me today and kind of just educating us all on the different types of, you know, real estate investing.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was truly a fun middle of the week
0: boost for me. So I appreciate it. Of course. And you guys, if you love this episode, one of the best ways to show your love is to screenshot it, share it to your social media, send it to a friend, tag us if you do share us on social if you share this on social media so we know that you're listening. It would mean so much to us. If you can leave a review for the podcast, that would even be even greater. It is Valentine's Day today. So that's a great way to show your love for us by leaving a review. You guys, thanks for tuning in. This was something different. I've talked about real estate maybe once on this episode before. And I think it's just a great way to become a better version of yourself if you're looking to just enhance your finances. So thank you for tuning in. And remember, you've got this.